It's off to Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Welcome to another edition of Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Carlin Gay alongside Micah Adams. Micah, what's going on, my man? Carlin, what's going on, my brother? Happy to be talking some raps today with you. Yeah, happy to be talking raps with you as well. Uh, and we have a special guest uh, who I reached out to on Twitter only because I saw him call <laughs> you out in an article. Uh, I have to welcome in Rick Mealy who is a freelance writer. You can find his work in Sharp Magazine, Sci-Fi, Rotten Tomatoes. But we're not here to talk style, not here to talk anything sci-fi, or even bad movies. We are here to talk Toronto Raptors, and he does that for Complex Canada a ton. You can go read his work there. Uh, Rick, a pleasure, and thank you for making the time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, so, so I guess to, to, to tie things together, how this all came about is one day we were sitting around in our morning meeting, and uh, we got word that someone was pooping on Micah's take that the Raptors were the eighth best team out of the 22 teams that are going to show up in Orlando uh, at the end of July. Fingers crossed that still happens. The NBA season still happens. And um, Rick, you decided to take Micah and a lot of others who blatantly kind of disrespect the Raptors uh, to task. So the floor is yours. Uh, you haven't said anything about this yet to Micah. We've only read your story. Uh, now you have all the time in the world. So feel free. Uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Well, you know, just to start, I like the fact that I get to play the good guy here. Uh, you know, I don't think it's exactly like a spicy hot take for me to argue that the Raptors are a very good team. Um, so thank you for that. Micah, I'm guessing you haven't exactly been feeling the love from the Raptors fans uh, this past week. Look, Carlin said that we're not going to sit here and talk about bad movies. I have a feeling that the Raptors 2020 postseason in Orlando is going to have a very rotten tomatoes oh score. Boy. Uh, but, hey, the, the floor is yours for now, though, my friend. You keep I going. mean, you've seen Skinny Marcus Soldo, right? Like, I feel like that alone should, ter- should earn them a spot in the top five. Sure. Uh, I, I feel like Skinny Marcus is not getting near the credit that Skinny Nikola Jokic is getting, but... I guess, you know, that's, that's more disrespect. So what, what is it specifically that you uh, disagree with Mike on? Is it, is it the placement uh, in, in, the, in the power rankings of the 22 teams that are heading over to Orlando? What, what specifically kind of jumped out at you uh, when, when you took a look at that article? Look, you know, I do understand where you're coming from with your argument. I think it's really easy to get caught up in, like, the numbers with power rankings. Um, I just, I get that Vegas doesn't love the Raptors because Vegas has never loved the Raptors, but I just think that like eight is very low for this team because even Vegas has them at six. Um, And, you know, I'm not saying that they're the favorites to repeat, uh, but I do think that they still belong in that, in that first tier. Um, And my, my ration, my rationale is more, more so like rather than a strict one to 22 power rankings, I, I tend to look at it once we get close to the playoffs as just, uh, surely a matter of who has the best versus worst chance of actually winning it all. So I'm, I'm far more concerned about a team's ceiling than their floor. Like the, Ra- the Raptors have had one of the best uh, regular season 
one of the best regular seasons of any team. I think that that much is, is indisputable. Uh, in your article, I believe you pointed out that they, they were 21-4 and four over the last 25 games. It's the best record in the NBA. Uh, I mean, if, if we were to see just one through 16 now, they'd be the third overall seed, right? So I, my, my sort of skepticism about the Raptors isn't necessarily about what they've done. It's about what they have the potential to do moving forward. And by the way, all of that is rooted in uh, fact about sort of just what they've done uh, during this season. I, th- I think that, you know, one of the things that Raptors fans will point to uh, that Toronto is about to enter a regular or about to enter the postseason healthy, right? We haven't seen them healthy pretty much the entire year. In fact, they've only played 17 games the whole season uh, with their top seven guys. But I think even in those 17 games, you can start to learn a little bit about just what this team's actually made of. So in those 17 games, they're 11 and 0 against teams under 500, just one in five against teams 500 or above. And the one win was against the 76ers in a game that Joel Embiid did not play. So even when fully healthy, there's evidence out there suggesting that this team, yes, they have a great regular season, but I'm, of, I'm more of the opinion that that regular season is a reflection of a veteran champion team that takes care of business against the teams it should, and that when talent really comes to the forefront, they're a team that just falls a little bit short. And so that was more so what I was saying. Uh, you know, when I compare them to the seven teams above them and even some that I had beneath, I just I have I'm just skeptical that ultimately Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Skinny Marcus, Fred Van Fleet, I worry that they just don't have that A-list talent that you need to ultimately win an NBA title. You know, here's the thing. I think that you're in a way probably vocalizing a lot of the same self-doubts that are nagging a lot of Raptors fans right now. Um but I just find that the health is a big thing for me. I know, you know, as you mentioned, they were playing really well coming into the shutdown. Um, they had ripped off like a 15-game winning streak, right? They had won their last four games before the stoppage. But I just am really intrigued to see what this team can do all together and all, and all healthy. I mean, it's crazy to look at, like, how many players that they lost for at least 10 games this year, and yet they still managed to carve out the third best record in the league. Like, I think they've built a lot of mental toughness. Um, and people have been counting them out, you know, again and again. People said it last year all the way through game six in the NBA finals. Um, people said it at the beginning of this year. And so to hear that again, I don't think that Raptors fans are um, – I don't think that that – bothers Raptors fans as much as maybe it did because they've been through this before. Uh, People keep counting them out and um, they keep proving people wrong. They have been through this before, but there's something different now about this Raptors team uh, than years past. And that major difference came last June, almost a year ago to the date that we're talking right now and the fact that they won an NBA championship. Actually, today is the day that they had the parade. Uh, we're, on, we're recording on the anniversary of the, 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 the great parade that Toronto saw with uh, you know, the team celebrating their first ever championship win. Granted, you know, Micah threw in a lot of stats in the regular season about teams that they've lost <laughs> to that are above 500. And I wonder how much stock you put into this, Rick, how much stock you put into that record specifically um, when you're talking about the Toronto Raptors or is it 
when are the Raptors going to get the benefit of a doubt of it being, oh, it's the regular season. They could flip the switch maybe in the playoffs and figure things out then. Right. Yeah. No, I've heard that argument, you know, that they haven't been great against above 500 teams. Um, they went, what, like 11 and 14 in those games. But, you know, Philly went 12 and 18 and you've got them ranked fifth. So. That's fair. That's totally fair. I can't look, I can't, I can't, I can't point to what Philly did or did not do in the regular season as a reason to have them above. We all know that Philly has had right there along with Houston, one of the, which I also had ranked uh, above Toronto. I mean, those, those are teams that are in sixth place in the respective conferences, but I don't think that there's a person out there. And this includes even the most diehard of Sixers and Rockets fans would say that those teams probably more than anyone else have not played up to their vast potential. And I think if you're just strictly ranking like the teams based on their potential moving forward, I, I don't really honestly see how there's an argument that, that Toronto ultimately has the ceiling that either of those two teams has. Now I will say that I think Toronto's floor is significantly higher than both. Like I would be, I would be absolutely floored if Toronto came out and just laid a turd uh, in the first round against Orlando or Brooklyn or, or, or whoever it is that they might ultimately play. Uh, whereas, you know, if Philly or Houston were to come out and just completely get dump trucked by the Boston Celtics or the Denver Nuggets or the Clippers or whoever they, I don't think that that would surprise me, but it just, it also wouldn't surprise me if Joel Embiid and James Harden are playing against each other in the NBA finals with, well, when this is all said and done. But do you think that the 76ers are the same team that, you know, pushed the Raptors to a game seven buzzer beater last year? Like I, I'm no. probably more scared of the Celtics as a Raptors fan than the 76ers right now. No, I'm right there with you. And, and look, I, they miss – everyone talks about them missing Jimmy Butler, right? Like, if you go back and you rewatch that Sixers-Raptors series, I mean, if, if those two teams were to play again, gone are obviously the two guys that were the best players on the floor in those series. And I also think one of the things that gets lost in the shuffle in Philly, they really miss J.J. Redick, too. Uh, if you look at all – every basically every advanced number out there in Philly last year suggested that even when – Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons were all on the floor together. Whether or not J.J. was out there with them uh, kind of made a really big difference in terms of how good that team was. But I do think that we've seen a different Ben Simmons, specifically this season. In that stretch where Joel Embiid missed time earlier this year, we saw a different side of Simmons come through, one that was far more aggressive, taking it to the hole, taking, shouldering a heavier offensive burden, and even if he can't, still can't hit a jump shot, I think that just the, the change in mentality has been there in Simmons. Uh, and I think it's, it's also worth pointing out that he's, he's also emerged as, as per, you know, one of probably the three or four best defenders in the entire league. So I, I just think that Philly's unique combination of size between the two of them and Al Horford, Tobias Harris is big, Thibault's. Uh, can, can give a lot of people trouble on the wings. I just think that Philly has a more interesting mix of high-end talent that might give more of a headache than a Raptors team that, like, the Raptors beat you by, they don't beat themselves, right? They, they execute really well. Uh, they're advantageous in, the, in, the, in transition. Uh, no team in the entire league rotates better defensively than them. But, like, you look at them, one example on offense, okay? So, you know, I have major concerns about them in two areas, in the half court and late in shot clock. So they're 12th in offensive efficiency in the entire league, but they're also first in fast break scoring, right? And so when those easy buckets disappear in the playoffs, 
I have significant doubts about when this team can't get out on the floor and run, what are they going to do when the game slows down, specifically late in the shot clock, where they've had lots of issues this season? I have questions for you guys coming up, and I'm actually going to ask Rick a question that a lot of Raptor fans seem to avoid when they call people, ta- call people out talking about the disrespect of the Toronto Raptors. But first, got to remind you that Raptors Pod Table is brought to you by our friends from NBA.com Global. NBA.com Global, of course, the home to the most intelligent, handsome, talented sports writers in all of the world. Uh, this week, you can find articles on Luka Doncic, his elite scoring at the rim, uh, reports and confirmations of uh, new jerseys being added to the docket for a lot of teams, including the Toronto Raptors. And should Steph Curry have won the 2015 Finals MVP? A great debate between Mike Adams and Scott Rafferty over on NBA.com. NBA.com Global, your home for all your NBA news. Um, all right. A lot of Raptor fans are quick to point out when they have been disrespected. Specifically talking about Micah's article. Eight out of 22 teams, that is the disrespect, right? But where do you put them then? Where should they be ranked if eight is disrespected or, or, or some level of disrespect towards them? Where would you put them in the grand scheme of things going into the playoffs? You know, I was thinking about this earlier. Um, I think the easy thing is to say heading into the layoff, they were a top four team. Um, so they should remain a top four team. I don't think you know it would be insane to put them above the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks. Right. But looking at it a little bit more this morning and rereading your article, Micah, like I, I understand. Wait a um, second, do we feel a backpedal live here? <laughs> or is that, is this a, are we are we hearing footsteps? Is that uh, don't don't pull the punches, Rick? Come on, baby. <laughs> I, I if you want to put the Celtics ahead of them, I get it. Um, I would say I just don't see them slipping past six, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, no, that makes sense. And, and I think and, that's where well, the disrespect comes, comes in from Raptors fans, is I don't think anyone's trying to say, like, they're the favorite to win, you know, to win the championship again this year. But I think that they belong in that first tier of contenders as opposed to that second tier of contenders. If I, if I were going to throw a nugget to the Raptors here, and, and, I, and I honestly, I earnestly do believe this. I'm not just saying this to, to, to sort of play the nice guy. I do think that this unprecedented situation we have in Orlando widens the field significantly just because there are so, there are so many more variables and unknowns uh, now than ever before. Uh, and look, anytime you introduce more unknown variables, that, that introduces the risk for something crazy to happen, right? So like last year's a, a prime example, like nobody figured that Kevin Durant would be lost for a series and that Klay Thompson would then, you know, tear his ACL and go down and then Andre Godala would miss it. Like you have to put yourself in a position to take matters into your own hands when afforded the opportunity to do so. Because the Raptors are not a team that's going to beat themselves, they're really well coached, uh, they execute flawlessly on defense, they're wildly experienced, they're the exact type of team that if Giannis uh, were to come in and stub his toe and, and not perform well, or if the Sixers don't play up to, to snuff, or if Jason Tatum proves that he's not quite ready as a 21-year-old, and then who knows, maybe they stumble into an NBA Finals. And then when you get into the NBA Finals, we just saw it happen last season. Anything can happen. Anybody can get hurt. Anybody might all of a sudden catch something that keeps them off the floor for two weeks. Like that's an elephant in the room that has Mm. to be addressed when talking about the return to play. 
Um, you know, I just, for me, it, it really, it, it boils down to the, the three things, right? One we've talked about, they just haven't been very good against the best teams. Okay. The other, uh, the, I, I have seer, sincere doubts about their ability to go toe to toe with another star down the stretch case in point tied or down one possession in the final 10 seconds this season. They are the only team in the entire league that has not made a single shot in those situations. Not one time. They're 0 for 7. Last year, uh, they made six of them. Kawhi accounted for five of those six. Okay? The last one, and again, this touches back with the offense. They're 12th in offensive rating. It has been over a decade since a team made the NBA Finals ranking outside the top 10 in offensive efficiency. That was the Lakers in 2010, who, by the way, had a guy named Kobe Bryant. No disrespect to Kyle Lowry or Pascal Siakam. They're not Kobe Bryant. And in fact, if you look at each of the last five seasons, no, each of the last six seasons, both teams from either conference ranked in the top five in offense. The Raptors are just 12th. There's only so much that experience and defense and coaching and execution can take you. And that's just, for me, why I look at the Toronto Raptors as a team with just a significantly lower ceiling, even though they have a significantly higher floor. So that brings up the question. Uh, you, you mentioned the, the lack of a closer, pretty much. And they had one last year, and probably the best closer in the game in Kawhi Leonard. And they were successful through the playoffs, really leaning on him heavily. Well, he's not going to be there anymore. He was like that safety net that is now gone Heading into this postseason run, Rick, do you think that the Raptors can be successful in the playoffs without having Kawhi to fall back on? I mean, it's insane for me to sit here and say, like, oh, they're better without Kawhi. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that. But you I can think say that, it, but you would be insane. <laughs> but I think that having to essentially play this whole season without Kawhi and figure out, okay, who can we go to um, help them build more depth? that sets them and versatility that sets them up really well in this, like you said, you know, this is uncharted territory here, right? So the things like having versatility up and down the lineup, having plus defenders up and down the lineup, those are the things that I think will help the Raptors in this situation. And who knows, who knows what this is going to look like? Who knows how teams are going to come out, what people's conditioning is going to be like. But I just think that in this weird realm that we're about to enter, in Walt Disney World, that they are well positioned um, to weather those things better than other teams might. So was that a yes? I, I, I heard a, a lot of words, but I asked you a yes or no question. Uh, can the Raptors be successful in the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard? Is that a yes? Uh, yes, it depends who they're playing. <laughs> I'll, All right. I'll, say, I'll say I feel a lot better if they're going into that first round of the playoffs, you know, playing against... Orlando or the Nets than if they have to go up against Indiana or uh, the 76ers. So what do you, where do you put success meaning? Because success, has, success mean, can mean different things to different people. For you specifically, is success for the Raptors season getting to the second round, getting back to the conference finals, getting to the finals? Because that changes the answer to, your, to my question based on where you value or where you view success. Yeah, um, I would say that for me, success would be getting back to the quarterfinals. Uh, to, sorry, the conference finals. Conference finals, okay. Um, you know, this was a question that I asked a lot of my friends uh, from Toronto last year, uh, which was if you get to the finals and, you know, 
this is all that happens. They lose against the Warriors. Are you still happy? Do you still feel like this was a successful season? And I feel like the answer was pretty much an you know, unqualified yes from everyone. And I think um, you see a little bit of that again this year, where I don't think that people are necessarily expecting that the Raptors are going to run it back. Um, I think they started playing so well in the beginning of the season that people started letting themselves think that like, yeah, you know, this, we've got a shot. And I think they do have a shot. And I think that that's really all that you can look for as a Raptors fan, especially with everything that's gone on. I think you want to be able to say like, we can hang with the top teams in the league. We can, you know, I think if they got bumped out of the first round, that would be, It'd be an very unsuccessful. That would be very embarrassing. Yeah. But um, for me to get into that second round to, you know, make the finals. Yeah, that would be, that would be great. But I think just making the conference finals would be a, a very successful season. You haven't ranked eighth, Michael. Do you feel the same way? Uh, Success being I would, I, conference I, finals? I, there's a re- no. I mean, there, there's a reason that I have a mate. It's because I think a success would probably be the conference semifinals. I think one of the things that I, I just feel like this team, remember, it's like they entered the season. There was no guarantee that they would even keep the team together, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I know they signed Kyle Lowry to that extension, but there were rumblings that maybe they might try to trade Marcus Gasol or Serge Ibaka. Uh, both of them are unrestricted, are unrestricted free agents. Maybe Fred Van Fleet might find a new home. And then they played well enough that they basically made Masai Ujiri's uh, mind up for him by playing so well. To me, this has always had the mark of a team that's going to go down in probably the conference semifinals, maybe the conference finals, but, but, but just to a more talented team and a six or seven game series. And the one thing for me that I think is a little bit unfortunate is I think that there's not a person, player, coach, front office, person, fan, anybody across the entire league that doesn't have the utmost respect for the way that Toronto has valiantly defended its title this season after losing Kawhi Leonard. And they would have gotten the loudest standing ovation ever by a team uh, being eliminated from the playoffs. Had, Had this team gone out and lost in a, in a game seven at home or game seven on the road or, or whatnot, home or away, this is a team that would have been given a crazy standing ovation. It's unfortunate that no matter how the season ends now, it's going to happen uh, in an arena in Florida without fans there uh, present. Um, remember, this is the only team in NBA history that has ever come back to defend a title uh, after losing a player, uh, losing their best player to free agency. Yeah, the final every MVP. other time, every other time that, uh, that that's happened, it's because somebody retired, like Michael Jordan and the Bulls after '98, or, or Bill Russell in '69. This is the first t- team ever that ever came into a season after defending a title that essentially just lost its best player to another team, and for them to come out here and have the third best record in the NBA, it's been a remarkable season. But there's a reason I had him eighth, and it's just because I just don't think the ceiling is there. I expect them to lose in the second round of the playoffs. Remarkable season, uh, and it's been one where that surprised a lot of people. And um, their star player now, with Kawhi Leonard no longer there, he's been a large part of the reason why they've been able to be successful in the regular year. Pascal Siakam turned himself from uh, a G League MVP to an NBA All-Star. And he'll be heading into the first play, his pl- first playoff run where he is the man. He's the guy. Uh, they win, lose. It's going to be his fault, um, no matter what. Is Pascal Siakam ready 
for that type of pressure? Is he ready for prime time? You know, I think that Siakam's continued emergence this year is probably what gives me the most hope for this team going deep into the playoffs again. Um, you know, just looking at the way his numbers have approved across the board um, now that his usage rate went up, you know, it, it's not just points that are up, minutes that are up, you know, his three-point attempts are up, he's getting the line more, his assist numbers are up. Um, and not just that, he's been, like, more vocal, right? He's mm-hmm. been more of a leader on and off the court, Um to your point, I would say that this is still Lowry's team. Um, okay. But, you know, Pascal's been stepping up and doing everything that the team needs him to all season long. Um, and, you know, I don't see any indication why that's suddenly going to stop in the playoffs, especially because it's not like he hasn't, you know, been playoff tested already, that he doesn't have that experience. I think um, as great as getting having Leonard around to win the title for the Raptors last year, I think – what he was able to do for Siakam was just as helpful for this team going down the line, the way that Siakam was able to, you know, learn from Leonard and um, pick up those things and step his game up. Yeah. Do you agree, Micah? Uh, no, but I don't want, look, I don't want to come across as a broken record here because it ends up being the same thing. I, I think every, look, I, Pascal Siakam has been a, one of the, the, the best stories across the entire league. I, I think that there's not, a single person out there, uh, Raptors fan, who shouldn't be so incredibly impressed and encouraged by all the progress they made. I mean, the guy started in the All-Star game. Like, there, if you would have said two years ago that Pascal Siakam was going to start in the All-Star game, you would have been like, I, you would have just been been laughed out of, of every province in Canada, every state in the United States, every country in the entire world. I feel uh, a big I, butt coming on, and you know me, I, I love big butts, and I cannot lie, but. Let's let's get to where you are going to find some sort of success and what Pascal Siakam's postseason uh, can look like. Because I agree, I agree with you, and we've talked about it multiple times on this very podcast. We don't think that Pascal is going to be able to carry the Raptors to a championship, and that's ultimately what we're asking of him right now. And is that unfair? Maybe, but that's what we're asking of him. So, what looks like success in his first postseason run? Uh, one without Kawhi, the big brother there, to kind of pick up the slack a little bit. Is it still getting to the second round for you? Um, I think so. I, look, I don't disagree with you there. I think that for the Raptors to go deep into the playoffs, it's going to come down to depth and versatility. I don't, you know, now that they don't have that world-beating number one superstar in Kawhi, they're going to need to rely on other people. So you, I think you kind of know what you're going to get out of Lowry. You know what you're going to get out of Siakam. So they're going to need to find like that reliable third option on offense, whether that's Van Vliet, who really took a step up this year, um, whether that's going to come from Gasol, you know, Norman Is Powell. It, give me one name that, that's got to step up. One name. Because you, you, you can't name Patrick McCaw. I'm going to stop you before you get to that name. So <laughs> give me one name that you think can step up. And if Siakam can't do it on his own, but maybe the combination of a, this, him and another guy, not yeah. named Lowry, can, can, can really push them through. I think it'll be interesting to see Fred Van Vliet. Um, obviously, he hasn't played since February, so who knows? But like, even after missing all that time, he's still third on the team in scoring, second in assists, first in steals. Like, he was a big key. Him taking that next step this year, I think, has been a really big key in them having the record that they do going into this. I look at Pascal Siakam's upcoming playoffs similar and in similar light to how. Uh, Nikola Jokic, I think, answered some questions last year because last year Jokic 
entered the playoffs for the, for the first time ever, really had a, had a magnifying glass on him about what he could do as a number one option when called upon to do it in games that mattered more than, you know, in January at home against the Atlanta Hawks. And even though the Nuggets lost in the second round, Jokic played inspired play from start to finish. And I think answered a lot of questions uh, sort of about his cap- capabilities as a legitimate number one option. I would look to Siakam at not, I don't think play asking Siakam to do what Jokic did last year is not reasonable uh, because Jokic, I mean, it was like 25, 13 and eight or something crazy. But, I, but I don't think that anybody came out of last year's postseason asking any more questions about uh, whether Jokic could deliver or not. So I think that, I think they, Siakam's success is almost independent of the team. Even if they were to bow out in the second round, I think that there is an opportunity for him to do enough, specifically if it comes against a player like Joel Embiid or Giannis or, or even Jason Tatum, uh, that I think Pascal Siakam can prove a lot of skeptics, myself included, uh, wrong based on what he does here uh, in Orlando. It'll be unprecedented at times, and, uh, and it's going to look really different. And as Micah mentioned a little earlier, that – uh, we're going to be playing games in an empty arena. Last year's championship playoff run, a lot of the Raptors' home games felt like there were 80,000 people there versus you know the 20,000 that packed into Scotiabank Arena. Now they won't have that advantage. There won't be that sort of momentum shift when they go on a big-time run. They're going to be on the same level playing field as everybody else. 23-9, and nine, that's their home record this season. Are they going to miss home court? in the playoffs in Orlando? Oh, I mean, absolutely, right? Like, it's, it's going to be hard to imagine watching Raptors games without shots of that pack Jurassic Park go nut, going nuts, right? You can't really do that um, with social distancing. Right. Um, but, you know, in, in a weird way, it, maybe they are getting a bit of an advantage because they're getting that extra time to get settled in at the, at the Disney complex, right? They're going to be heading there instead of, returning to their home market to Toronto to practice. They're going to get some extra time down in Florida. So who knows? Maybe that helps. But, you know, I don't think, like, yes, the Raptors have benefited from, you know, home court advantage more than some other teams. But I don't think that they're suddenly at a disadvantage now that they're playing at a neutral site. Just because, like you said, everyone's in the same boat, right? We're all, all the teams are navigating this weird, uncharted territory. So... I agree with you. I, I mean, they're going to they're gonna miss not having games there, but everyone's going to miss ha- not having games at home. Uh, I do think that the Raptors actually, I mean, they, I believe they have, look, they have identical 23-9 and nine records at home and, a ro- and on the road, but they've been a lot better on the road than most, most contenders have. I believe they have the fourth best net rating on the road in the, entire, in the entire league. They're a veteran team. They won in the finals three times at Golden State last year, uh, which, yeah, I mean, that just – never happens so that they're a team that just is is not going to be bothered i don't think by the unusual circumstances of playing in orlando so in a weird way it's like yes they're going to miss jurassic park and miss playing at scotia bank but on the flip side i think that they're a team that's probably as conditioned as anyone to really succeed uh in this just weird environment uh that we're going to have down in orlando yeah, as you mentioned, they're 23-9 and nine as well away from home. That's the third best road record in the NBA right now, only behind the Bucks and the Lakers, the two teams that have better records than them uh, overall in the regular season. Rick, really appreciate you spending time with us here. 
uh, and doing this. Hopefully, uh, we've now uh, made up with that last point there with you guys agreeing on something. And, uh, and, and uh, we, we continue to encourage people to go read your work over at Complex uh, Raptors. And, and also, if you want to get stylish, Style Magazine and then Rotten Tomatoes. What was the last Rotten Tomatoes review you gave? Oh, boy. I, you know, the last movie I've seen in theaters was probably Bloodshot before the, all this. Um, I don't think I've seen that. Uh, Vin Diesel. Oh. It's out, out on, on demand right now, yeah. along with everything else. Shout out Don Toretto, best movie character of the last two decades. <laughs> That's another podcast for another time. But, Rick, <laughs> really appreciate you coming on. Micah, as always, we will uh, we'll debate sometime soon in the near future. Uh, you can catch Micah and I on NBA Sound System as well. 3 p.m. Eastern time, live on Tuesdays. You can go over to ca.nba.com, listen live, or you can head over in the archives and catch the show if you're not able to listen to it live. But this has been the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Tell all your friends about it. It is the greatest Raptors podcast of all time. I may be biased, but I'm also right. We'll see you next week right here on the Raptors Pod Table. Get that garbage out of here!